0: Hey guys, welcome back to Shades of Brilliance. I'm your host, Sierra Venable, and I have for you today such an interesting episode and person and guest. My good friend Emily agreed to be on the podcast. I had to have her because she is such an interesting person. She's a native New Yorker that moved to LA to build her career. She's a Capricorn and she's in public relations. Those things are imperative to know because if you know anything about public relations, and the machine that it is, especially in Los Angeles, it takes a Capricorn. It takes somebody like Emily, who is constantly making those connections. I want you to hear in this episode how quickly her brain moves. On the surface, it sounds like she is very cool, calm, and collected, but I can promise you that everything in her mind is working like a gear. She's connecting brand and product and influencer she's connecting people she's always making these connections and when i'm asking her questions when i'm involving her in the conversation for her it seems it sounds so simple like you'll hear in her answers that it's like oh yeah well that's just this or yeah yeah we just want the brand to do this or have this and i'm like laughing because for most people that's a nightmare like i am not into public relations that is not my role i Like public relations up until the concepting, to actually be boots on the ground, working the step and repeat, you know, working the behind the scenes of these events, it's a lot of work. And she's really good at it and she loves it. So I really wanted to have her on, especially if you're romanticizing public relations or you've always wanted to be in fashion. People like her are imperative to getting these business moves done. And she's really interesting. So without further ado, I want to welcome Emily. I also want to give a quick little disclaimer that I am currently in London. She's in Los Angeles. So, when we recorded this, the call was so long distance that there is some glitching. Um, so, we're going to overlook that. I hope that you can overlook that so you can hear the entirety of what she has to say. Again, she's so interesting. She's very entrepreneurial and you're going to love her. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Everything's moving. I moved to London, so it's been
1: definitely a huge change. I bet quite a journey. I just wanted to start off by thanking you for having me on here and congratulations on your new journey.
0: Yes, thank you. So Emily, for the for the listeners out there, we met in fashion school and um, yes, yes. Yes. We share the the trenches of the experiences. <laughs> um, also, also, all the highs, you know, going to fashion school, especially in LA is a very specific experience, but, you know, even through the bad times, I feel like it bonded us. So
1: what can I say? For sure. I mean, we were in the same boat, you know, both going to fit um, We definitely gone through a lot you know with the school in general as well as the classes the students just a brand new environment for the both of us because we're not from both from the east coast right
0: yeah yeah. so i'm i was born in virginia i haven't lived there in a while mm-hmm. but i do feel like an east coaster in my heart i do yeah
1: <laughs> it never leaves
0: it doesn't really cool. it oh and that's what we should talk about like because you're from long island i'm from long island new
1: york I am on the island that is close to new york city it's like an hour away um okay. very suburban area because everyone thinks you know oh you're from new york you're from the city you're from manhattan you're from why don't you go to fics like the first question to me i'm like hold up hold up first of all i'm from long island get it get it right <laughs> <laughs>
0: well and i don't know why so i am super ashamed because when i went to jmu I I knew so many people from Long Island. I think that was like one of our biggest out-of-state students, yes, was Long Island and uh, New Jersey, New Jerseyans.
1: Well, it's just all different, you know. There's Long Island, there's the city, and then there's upstate, which is a
0: whole different side of the world, I feel
1: like, you know, compared to Long Island. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm from there. I've lived there for quite some time. I've moved around as well. I know you have. Um, I lived in the South for a little bit, and then I went back to New York to finish. Um, a little bit of elementary school all through high school. Wow. Okay. So I had no idea that you lived in South. Wow. Yeah. I lived in Louisiana for four years, um, first grade through fourth grade. And then I went back to
0: New York, but that was quite an interesting experience. Yeah. So that's very similar to me. I grew up in Virginia, lived in Virginia until about fourth grade, moved to New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, And then I moved out to LA so I um I have that I feel like I don't know where I'm from do you feel like that sometimes
1: um not really I mean I was born in New York I consider myself a New Yorker and then you know lived there for a little bit because my dad's job um that was just a quite an experience just living in a whole new state especially like when you're younger and then going back to New York in like fifth grade was just different because everyone knew each other by then and I was just the new kid in fifth grade and then middle school so that was fine right after middle school everyone all blended in and everyone met new people so it was kind of easier you know once it was middle school but going into fifth grade like you're just out of nowhere so
0: yeah no it is it's such a tough grade to blend into because like you said everybody went to kindergarten all the way through so Mm -hmm. So and awkward. my school was
1: very, very click-like, you know, mm-hmm. everyone grew up knowing each other, even like the parents knew the parents and then the family friends and all that. So it was a very close circle for a lot of people. And then just me randomly popping up out of nowhere, like, hey, and I had like the worst haircut. My style was totally different. So I just oh. like showed up out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, so this is what y'all are wearing?
0: Uh- <laughs> Yeah, because Louisiana is so completely different from Long Island. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, can, completely different. Not only that, I wear wore uniforms at my old school, so like showing yeah. up wearing whatever you wanted to wear, and everyone's wearing something different that you're not, and I'm like,
0: oh, so this isn't cool anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I didn't think about that. What a shock. I feel like. Yeah. I definitely. I don't. I don't know. I think that I'm assuming that, that impacted your creativity. Um, just the expression that you were suddenly granted out of like thin air. I always wondered about that because I never had to wear a uniform. So I always wondered like how that impacted young creative minds, like having to wear the same day. I
1: I mean, I've only wore it from first grade through fourth grade. So yes, that was like a time to still be creative and young and express yourself. Um, But I mean, everyone wore the same uniform. There wasn't anything of like, you know, nitpicking i was like oh you had those type of clothes and all that so i guess it was somewhat equal with everyone just wearing the same thing but once i got back to new york it was just like whatever you want to wear is fine and i saw that a lot of people wore the same thing but you know from nicer places and boutiques
0: and stuff is where most people shop anyway yeah, because from what I know about Long Island, the little clearly that I do know, it's a very like affluent suburb or they're affluent parts of Long Island. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I, this like some of the girls I knew in college in my, like my freshman and sophomore year that were like the Long Island girls, like they um, just kind of have their shit together. Like, I don't know. It just felt like everything was together. And like, it was like, whoa, like. They have, you know, the jewelry and it, it just felt so, like you said, like boutique like they shop at boutiques, yeah. they, you know, just are used to this different like status of life. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: I feel like it does. Um, I worked at a boutique actually, that was like my job before I came back to FITM after COVID, um, mm-hmm. was working in a boutique and it, I definitely a lot of different kinds of people that walked in there. And a lot of interesting stories from there.
0: That you know, working in retail, period. There's just gonna be a uh, lot of stories. <laughs> yeah. No, my retail experience literally spans. I think I've only worked H and M. That was my like retail experience, and everybody oh, either wow. needs bus tables or be a retail salesperson because it really shapes. <laughs> like I yeah, was, like, I, I, did, I did both. <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Cause same, and I, I think it's, it pushed me to get my education, finish my degree, you know, like we can't end up here. This is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is lot. not what I want as much as like, it was fun for the time being. Like I definitely learned a lot. Like my family owned a business on Long Island for a bit. We had a okay. bagel store, which is very popular mm-hmm. um, in our, in our area, obviously. Cause we have the best bagels period. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. um, but we own, we own that for quite some time. So learning a lot of experience running a business and dealing with customers and dealing with catering and food and all that. Like it was definitely a learning experience when I was younger. And then um, I worked at an ice cream place.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I I always wonder what it'd be like to have a family business. My family, like we couldn't even come close to running a family owned operated business. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I think that's such a cool like entrepreneurship opportunity at such a young age to like see the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I mean my mom and my uncle were the managers, my dad was a partner as well and just seeing how, you know, how to run a business and, you know, struggling and seeing what's successful, like it's all trial and error.
0: Yeah, it really is and I feel like with entrepreneurship there's always some new code you know the county is now requiring this and now especially in food service i can't imagine yeah. how you no know, you have to use this bucket now to put this solution like mm-hmm. I, it's killed it is it is and it's like crazy because we had a lot of competitors
1: near us and we had to see like what was mm. a good price to price things and You know, people were upset, but, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, that the price is the price. And we tried to, like, rebrand ourselves because the previous owner definitely needed to work on some things. And my mom wanted to completely rebrand and, like, make new shirts for everyone and make a new menu and incorporate her recipes as well. And a lot of those recipes were healthy and
0: delicious and people loved it. Oh my gosh. So was that your first experience like seeing a rebrand?
1: Yeah. I mean, the previous owner definitely needed to work on some stuff, you know. The recipes were kind of old or, you know, some of the stuff just didn't look as appetizing. So, you know, rebranding a whole place, it takes some time and people that came there for years are shocked and being like, Oh well, I didn't pay this price for this or you know, what is this now? So
0: uh, seeing how the audience like has to merge over into a new world. I think that's difficult for customers and especially in food service because you're you're dealing with tangible products, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, when they see everything is different, there's like a resistance to change. But Exactly.
1: I mean, we had a lot of loyal customers, that's what I gotta say. We had a lot of, you know, small businesses near us. So we open our doors to them and, you know, they're more than welcome to try everything and, you know, get in a good experience.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. I I always say that. I think doing any amount of branding, you know, it'll, first off, to be, you know, a brand consultant, which is kind of what I've been doing the last few years. Um, last few years, look, I'm, I'm I'm like a year into the business and I'm like the last piece of <laughs> because it's so it can be so draining because you're trying to get mm-hmm. the audience or the consumer to understand the need for the rebrand but also the company sometimes it's really difficult for companies to understand what why the rebrand is so important but when you're in food service you know i mean especially with you know the appetizing nature of food like you can't sell nasty looking bagels <laughs> re-brand. exactly
1: exactly you got to make sure everything is you know, top tier in shape. And we had some new stuff come in and people loved it. My mom, I remember um, making two ingredient bagels was one of her staples. And a lot of the people that came in our stores were older and they were looking for something still to eat, but a little bit healthier. And my mom was like, I'm going to accommodate because I'm trying to eat healthy and I want my customers to try stuff that I like. So...
0: Wow. That is so cool. I never knew that about you or I might've like kind Mm -hmm. of known it, but explaining it, (laughs) it it, like makes makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because I feel like you're very like entrepreneurial, you know, like you can tell certainly up that way. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I am a Capricorn, so
1: Uh,
0: yeah, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) So what made you inspired looking on the grind? yes oh my god yeah you guys never rest i mean i'm a virgo and i Capricorns are just like the next level like i can't even keep up um but what made you inspired to go to la like you literally went to the exact opposite coast
1: well everyone was just like why didn't you go to FIT?" and i was like you know i feel like i would gain a different experience if i went somewhere new honestly and you know if I went to FIT, honestly, I would just commute and stay home, which is yeah. something I wasn't looking to do. I wanted to gain a new experience, meet new people, go out, like live my life basically. And yeah. as an only child, I feel like I wanted just to gain any experience I could to
0: just get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. I did not. I forgot that you were an only child. Me too. That makes so much sense. You and Imani are all only only children, right? Yeah. Oh, but there's so many only children that went to FITM. Like it, it was a conspiracy. Like there was something, about, <laughs> no, it was like something about how creative people or like r- the risk takers of the world. The people that swim against the grain are for either oldest children or only children. And I don't, it's like, every time I hear somebody say something, it's either that they did cheerleading or dancing and they were at fit 'em, or they were an only child. Like it the, those were the qualifications. It was so bizarre. <laughs> they have to advertise that now. <laughs> I know. I'm like they have to appeal to the oldest daughter, the trope of the oldest daughter and the only the <laughs> daughter. You know. <laughs> but, um but yeah,
1: I just wanted to get a new experience, and I didn't really know much about Fidum. You know, I mm-hmm. learned about it over you know the school coming to my high school which was super rare I feel like because a lot of the kids in my school either went to like state schools upstate or on Long Island or in the city or a lot of them went to a lot of the party top schools you know Tulane, UF, Wisconsin a lot of those party schools and I didn't see myself going to any of those so Mm -hmm. I was like you know what my other options are FIT which I didn't get in, which was a sign of, you know, definitely not staying here, yeah, not staying in New York, no less. Um, But L.A. was just really a new opportunity to explore my creativity, you know, get a different change of environment, I would say, because that's a big, big thing for me because I'm not dealing with snow. Yeah. No way.
0: Right. Yeah. Once you move west, (laughs) snow is just like non-tolerable.
1: Exactly. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to do the commute. Like, it's just not for me. So I got into LA, I got into Fitem, went to LA 2019, which I can't believe all the memories are popping up now on my Snapchat of four years ago, me starting Fitem, which was a whole different person. That's all I gotta say.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you, I mean, people just change so much. I feel like year to year, especially in your 20s. Like I look back at myself exactly. at 18 and I'm like, wow, I've grown a lot. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean,
1: I was just going through it at that age as well, you know, mentally, physically, just all the above. And I wanted a space that I can just be who I am and do whatever I want, especially an only child girl living in a house. Like I just wanted to do anything possible. So, just coming to LA was just a fresh start for me, I, especially at 18 years old. Like I remember you saying in your previous episode, I can't imagine being in LA at 18. Well, I was
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> I was her. So, did you spiral? Did you jump off the deep end with anything?
1: Oh, girl! Oh, girl! I said no parents. Yes. No few, No, nothing. Oh, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. You know, and a lot of my guests I've interviewed, you know, other fellow good friends at Fitum, that I was just Mm -hmm. like, there's this current, like if you live, if you lived in LA as like a normal civilian, you, and I mean, LA, like we were downtown, like we were in LA. (laughs) We were in smack middle reality of LA. Okay. And it, there's this undercurrent of so many different, like, mechanisms that, like, my mom would tell me, like, I don't know how you're going to school. And, like, progressing in your life when everything around you is so bleak. And just, like, the social scene and entertainment. Mm -hmm. I really want to get into that with you because you're in PR. So you probably seen and danced with, like, the craziest (laughs) that I, that's why I was tired and left LA because I was like, I can't keep up with this anymore.
1: It's it's a lifestyle. That's what I'm saying. And for people that want to work in PR, this is some advice for you. You got to have thick skin. You got to have thick skin and able to you know, be in situations that you have to multitask. You got to think fast. You got to be quick on your feet. It's not an easy environment. It's very fast paced. So if you can't keep up, it's not the job for you. Simple as that.
0: Gosh, ended them. Yeah. But that's, yeah. I mean, mean, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the truth. It's just the harsh facts of, you know, working in
1: PR. You got to, you got to think quick on your feet.
0: Yeah. Well, and that was my question. Like, because I understand PR on a very basic level as, you know, the people that bridge, you guys are just like bridges to me. Like, you guys are the in between like the crisis and the celebrity or maybe it's not even a crisis. Maybe you're the ones concepting and, and running the events for the brand and the client Mm -hmm. or, you know, like I don't, it's such a vague process, but you guys do so much, especially with influencing now.
1: Yeah. I I mean, influencers are like the best thing, the best thing to do for marketing and, you know, putting a brand out there. Um, I just want to get into one of my first events working uh, in PR at The Influence, which is where I work. It's a company ran by Allie Lansky, which is my boss. She's very well known in the PR industry, um, and cool. a bunch of my coworkers are well are in the industry. They one of my coworkers was on a reality show. Like we have all types of people, and I love them so much. Um, cool. But my first event I worked was a Halloween party. This was almost yeah two two or three years ago. It was a celebrity Halloween party, very exclusive, very very like tight on security. That's all I'm saying. We had to check in guests and make sure that they got their wristbands. Like it was just a simple job, but you had to make sure everyone had their tickets and matched their like ID. So that was me going through all night of just making sure everyone matched their ID to their ticket and wow. then um one of the things that happened was was a problem with one of the guests so i tried to match his ID to his ticket and he was saying oh like it's my girlfriend's ticket not mine so i couldn't let him in and this guy had a huge fuss about it he waited 3 hours again this party 3 hours <gasps> and he did not get in stop um i can't let you in like i'm sorry it does not match you know, that's all yeah. I got to... I can't do anything about it. And you got to, you know, put your foot down when certain situations come up, which was one of them. And it was my first event too. So I was nervous not to mess up or anything, but I was yeah. just following the rules and stuff.
0: Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you guys have so many different roles. Like, one day you're the bouncer. The next day you're concepting a new event. You're reaching out to influencers from some kind of engagement. Like, the job yeah. spans so many different needs that it like blows my mind. Exactly. I mean, you never know what you're going to be tasked
1: that night. I've ran red carpets before. I've done slating. Slating is the worst thing for me because I'm horrible when it comes to spelling. So the fact of me writing some celebrity's name or butchering someone's name is literally like the crisis for me.
0: (laughs) So you, when you say slating, that's like an MC, like you have to announce them. So basically
1: you have like a whiteboard or
0: a clipboard that has their name posted on it
1: and like their title of they're an actor, they're an influencer, like some sort of talent. And then they walk the red carpet. And then the um, photographers know, okay, I'm taking a picture of Bella Hadid, like it matches, you know, this picture to the slating
0: so that's how that was a lot to do that is crazy because I you forget all those details like I went to movie premieres and I actually went to LA Fashion Week and when you see the red carpet you see the the PR employee who has to scribble the name put put it out in Mm -hmm. front of the blank you know um what is it the step and repeat (laughs) Mm -hmm, the step and repeat (laughs) Yeah. So the photographer can like keep track of everything. It's so, I feel like it's so cool to be behind the scenes of the industry. Like you get to see the reality. And I honestly think that's a healthy dose for people that live in LA because it's so easy in LA to start drinking the Kool-Aid to the point where you just start becoming somebody that you're not. So how cool that you can like, it's almost grounding or it sounds grounding. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Especially for me, like I do content create as well. So I see both sides. I yes, I yeah. not only do the content, but I see behind the scenes on how people do their kind of content and how they kind of do their thing. And it's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, no, that's I feel like that's a perfect job for like a 20 something. I mean, like you said, have to have a thick skin and be ready to really do anything with without any complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a cool job for anybody who, who wants to stay general because are you, you're more into communications and you are like creative. Well, I mean, you are a content creator, so I guess mm-hmm. you are. Well,
1: I, I got my, I got my degree in merchandising marketing AA and then my BA is digital marketing. So a woman of all trades. I feel like that I can pretty much mold to pretty much anything that has to do with digital marketing as well as just content creating and business running, anything like that. A bunch of the classes I took at FITM were very helpful when it comes to, you know, running a business. I definitely had some good teachers that, you know, were in the PR field. So it definitely helped.
0: No, I think that's so cool. And I think that was a really good thing about FITM is that we could major... Technically, if you did a four-year program, if you ended with a BA, you could do two different programs. So you learned so much like everything was broken up by two years I always forget that that that's like different about them
1: yeah it was quite different especially um <clears throat> I was doing it during COVID so I was mostly learning online for the yeah. first half of my career and then finishing off you know remotely and then some classes were hybrid it's mm-hmm. just definitely changed over the years it's not what I went to in the start of you know 2019 was when I came out here so it's definitely changed now that like you know ASU has taken over and just everything with FIDM is
0: just something else which is a
1: whole different topic
0: (laughs) oh yeah for anybody who doesn't is not aware of the tea and the drama FIDM was bought out by ASU is that like the Mm -hmm. right yeah Um, yeah
1: taken over Uh, taken over
0: bought out um it it was just a stark reminder that colleges are businesses you know especially in these the states like right now I'm at um University of the Arts London which is a huge creative school they're actually I think I don't know what their ranking is now but they are top five I want to say for like creative oh wow yeah and it's the education system here is not it, or I was gonna say it's not for profit. I definitely think they're making a profit, but it's <laughs> it's different here. It's like everything in the States is about not only making profit, but making like record profit. Like we need to have the stadium. We need to build something new. We need to build this. We need to build that. And I mean, just real estate alone in LA for big buildings and big, I mean, it's it's a lot. And so money is essential. And I think, I mean, with FIDM, there's some tea about you know the mismanagement of funds. Because our tuition is, I mean, ridiculously expensive. and so
1: Ridiculously, especially being an out-of-state student and you got to do the housing and then you got to
0: pay this fee. And then all
1: of a sudden now, oh, you can't get your supplies anymore. You have to pay for your supplies. And it just adds on. I'm like, when does this stop? When can I just actually sit down and learn something? Why can't I just, you know, it just, it just irks me sometimes that, you know, we have to worry about all that, not an actual, you know, learning the process of these classes and getting to know things. I feel like after 10 weeks, sometimes I do forget some of the information. I do remember some of it, but it's just very fast paced as well.
0: It is, but you're right. I mean, all of that drama took away from the quality of our education. And I think it's sad because, the teachers that I had, I had some really great teachers who I know would write a letter of recommendation at any time or, you know, like they were really in the industry and like really wanted to give back and, and teach. And yeah,
1: fast. a lot of the teachers are very passionate about it, especially if they have a job that they truly love and this is their second yeah. job teaching and they want to express their students, you know, this is type of environment I live in and work in, like this is what I do on a daily basis. And if you, you know, are into it, you know, here's all the, te- all the resources that I can do to help you. And a lot of them, you know, add everyone on LinkedIn and, you know, write recommendations, internships, like they want to help you. Those, those few teachers, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think you, I really, you know, became closer with those teachers like the last two years of my, cause I, I transferred into FITM. Um So I only did two years at FITM, but I have my BA from there. Mm-hmm. And the last, I would say like year, like my senior, my, you know, quote unquote senior year, or my final year at FITM, um, is when I really met and got close with a lot of those teachers. And so if you're a FITM, if you're a current FITM student and you're like, I don't know any good teachers, get, get to your yes. final year because it really, there are good people. Actually, you know, I don't know now, honestly, because ASU I mean how bizarre that in the middle of downtown Los Angeles there's just an Arizona State University like I don't yeah it's so random out of nowhere
1: I mean they Uh, needed to find some college that would take over and take over those debts and etc so it's just so sad because it's just not the same anymore I feel like once I went out here in 2019 it's just a whole shock now going yeah. back and seeing all the stuff not there anymore
0: yeah yeah I have a lot of friends that started in 2019 or even 2018 and they're like him yeah. was like the crap back before the pandemic
1: yeah it was a flex and it's like oh you go to fashion school like wow you can dress like what do you do a lot of people even assume like how do you make clothes? I was like, oh, I wish. I yeah. wish I could make clothes. But I'm more in, you know, the business side of things. But yeah, um, it was yeah, like the cool place, the cool place to be. And now it's just,
0: you know, just gone. Gone yeah. basically. Yeah, it's like the the ghost town. Right. And it feels like they need to rebrand because it's just kind of like, you know, it was this known entity for so long, especially in L.A. I mean, before I even moved to L.A., I would tell people, oh, yeah, I'm going to fit them. And they would be like, oh, my God, here's my business card. And when you finish, let me know, because I've just got to And it, they were fawning and like drooling over you if they knew you were going to fit them. I mean, even in the industry, it was like, oh, you go to fit them Here, come be my intern. And and now it's like, FITM. It's so. Um, Oh, yeah! (laughs) It it changed so quickly. Um, It just—it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: It really doesn't. I mean, now that there's a, there used to be a thrift store too at Fidam that shut down, and that was like the best part of Fidam was the thrift store and all the stuff that was donated to them were really good quality clothes. Yes, gone, gone now.
0: Yeah. I had good designer from that thrift store. Like designer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell everyone this. This stuff, I tried to gatekeep. Like I don't like to gatekeep, but this place I wanted to gatekeep because you would get Princess Polly stuff for less than the price on the website. A lot of the yeah. stuff was donated from other brands and they yeah. just had a surplus of items that they didn't sell. So they would discount it for all the students and even faculty there. And you would just yeah. get a whole brand new outfit there.
0: Yeah, they would get the excess, like all the, the excess mm-hmm. consumption that the industry just had could not sell. So it wasn't even mm-hmm. like a, oh, we're going to buy Princess Polly for the kids. It was like Princess Polly was going, we have all of these t-shirt blanks and they're not selling, or the printer didn't work or that stripe didn't print correctly. So they would sell it at, at the scholarship store for like $5, like good looking. Yay quality stuff
1: and I would just add to cart and I would be like okay girl math this does
0: not count this does not count <laughs> oh yeah of course I mean a five dollar shirt and and I think it was there was some peace in knowing that it was cyclical it wasn't going to end up in a landfill so yeah it was mm-hmm. like meant um ethically and financially it was just like yeah we're going wild at the, at the thrift store
1: Exactly. Especially since like I like to content create and style and stuff. One of my best friends, Jaden, is a stylist and we used to get stuff there all the time and just be like, okay, like we're going to piece this all together and we're going to have a photo shoot on the street or we're going to have a photo shoot in the alleyway. Like We would just get so creative with all these pieces there.
0: Yes, I need to get Jaden on because he's booked a lot of cool gigs lately, styling.
1: he Yes, he's ran a lot of the shows. I remember one of the shows he did was Versace. And I was like, oh, my God, you're in the same room as the Hadid's and
0: Donatella. I am jelly. Yeah, no, he's really he's 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 busy. OK, he's booked and mm-hmm. he's busy, I feel like. Oh my gosh. But I feel like, what does the world of PR right now feel like? Because I feel like the world is changing so rapidly. And obviously one of your jobs is to manage and um, kind of set the tone. And I, I actually, I don't even know, what do you feel like your, your main job is? Like, for example, when I'm in branding, I feel like a therapist a lot of the time. You know, like I'm not necessarily, you know, a clinical therapist, but like a lot of what my job is, I feel like is connecting the people back to the brand, you know, remembering why, like, why did we start this company? What is the point? And it, it helps people walk through, oh, this is my intention. And so sometimes I feel like I'm getting companies and therefore people to face the the, the funk, the stuff that's been under the rug for so long, that, that's why the brand is so stagnant. And so I imagine in, in PR, it's somewhat similar, or there's some kind of theme that you feel like you constantly are doing? Um, honestly, I feel like it's always
1: not some sort of a guessing game, but things that um, will work trial and error type things, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain. But you just have to see what the vision is for the brand, especially when it comes to a campaign or event, seeing what things work and what has things worked in the past and kind of bring it into the present. Like past events that we've held before are successful. Okay, where are things we need to tweak here and there? But I feel like it's always a new experience to see what it draws people, what attracts people, just testing out new things. Um, yeah. I just remember one of the clients that we had in the past, we would want to attract more younger crowd. So we wanted to have comedy shows. We wanted to have um, reggaeton nights, like different kinds of things that would bring people together to this one establishment. So it's all about you know trial and error when it comes to Testing for different kinds of companies because a lot of companies that we have are uh influencers, but it can also be um, you know, hotels and yeah. um different kinds of brands like popcorn Definitely. and cookies and stuff like that. One of our clients is candy pop. I don't know if you had that before. That stuff is so good. Yeah. Yes. So that's really that's interesting. One of, oh go ahead. Yeah, sorry. that's one of our clients. Yeah, sorry, Uh, It's one of our clients that we've had for quite some time and it's always so interesting how they can incorporate uh, the candy pop into different items. And one of the things we did was donuts and we did a candy pop donut um, for pride and we had uh, Danny Trejo from Trejo's donuts come through. So it was super cool. And seeing like everyone that loved Danny Trejo and, you know, donuts and stuff all come together and, you know, just celebrate pride and,
0: do something fun, yeah. No, that's so cool. And I think I see what you're saying. It's very experimental. Like PR, what moves? So the brand people are the are like the nerds behind the curtain who are like concepting all of this stuff. And then it moves to like the PR and communication teams who then have to just get into the action. You know, who can we work mm-hmm. with right now? You're taking, like you said, the the present and the past, and you're trying to move the presence forward in the future. But then you've got to take into consideration the context of the audience. What does the audience want right now? What is insensitive right mm-hmm. now? So it's a lot of different variables at once.
1: Exactly. I mean, we have to put together lists list of talent and people that would kind of fit the event and kind of give off the vibe that we're going for. Like one of the events we had was, um, what was it? I'm thinking about this one specific one. Oh, it was uh, All Saints all saints and we had people yeah it was awesome it was at one of our hotels which was a client as well as all saints we were working with them and very successful we had a lot of people that were influencers come through and it's obviously a trendy brand you know cool Mm -hmm. glasses taking pictures all that kind of stuff
0: so it was a really cool event That is cool. And I feel like, you know, I don't know if you know, but All Saints is a big deal in London. I didn't realize like... Really? Yes, it's huge. I think they have a... I think one of their headquarters is here. I actually... When I first came to London a year ago and what, you know, got me starting and thinking about, oh, I should move here and I could go to get my master's here and was this trip that I went on and we toured the All Saints headquarters and we met, you know, some of the people because one of the girls that works in sustainability for all saints um, used to go to fit them. So she was oh, like, the, wow. Yeah. And she's really cool. And the company's really cool. Like everybody, this was kind of their brand is so specific or it seems so tailored, but it's so pulled together. Mm-hmm. And not one of those brands. that's like constantly grasping for your attention in terms of trend. Like they just do them. And It's I don't know. They have really big locations here. What seems to me like a flagship location. And they've been kind of on my radar recently.
1: No, I think it's a pretty cool brand. We got to actually wear some of the clothing for the event. And it was quite comfortable. I'm a very streetwear girl. So I wore an oversized t-shirt and I was happy with it. I was like, this is cool. This is a look.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And do you like that side of PR where you're m- more involved with the creative strategy? You know, you're kind of, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. I do.
1: Yes, I do. I love being creative and just seeing what pieces all together. Um, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to events, I love just going to events period, like whether I'm running it or not, I just love to be out and about and just explore new things, especially being from new york i didn't see much of california before it was my first time coming out here visiting the school was 2019 and Mm -hmm. i just wanted to see what was out here so running events and seeing different parts of california are always like the best thing to do because i was like oh i've never been here before perfect opportunity i'm working an event i kind of see what the vibe is and then connect with the people over there meet um Mm -hmm. network do all
0: that at these new spaces that's so cool. Yeah, I can really see. I mean, I feel like everything in LA is entertainment. I mean, everything connects back to entertainment in some way. Um, whether it's football. I mean, the NFL teams in LA are a completely different energy. Like I grew up, you know, going to football game college football games, but still like you would tailgate there was this kind of community culture, not in LA. Here it's like entertainment value. We've got cannons going into the sky, and we've got fireworks, and there's all these PR strategies and the boxes for celebrities. Like everything you experience in LA, as cool as it as it is, you can see the the details and the layers of enter, the entertainment industry. So right. PR is like thriving. I mean, it will it will always be necessary to have some element of PR in Los Angeles.
1: Exactly. And I feel like I just always come up with ideas when I'm just like walking around or like thinking of things that we can definitely change here and there to make it a little bit better for a brand. You know, I always have some sort of idea of like, oh, maybe next time we should do this. Or, you know, maybe we'll incorporate this influencer next time. Just I always think of different things here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your brain is always
0: moving always thinking of oh yeah
1: the creative the creative juices are always flowing whether I'm you know in my bed or out in town I'm always thinking about something that I could be like oh this could be a little bit better if they do this
0: yeah yeah and I can see I'm assuming you get a lot of inspiration from just being out like seeing literally seeing new restaurants seeing new ideas new concepts Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially networking with all kinds of people, you see, oh, I'm in this industry. Oh, we can incorporate that. I met a woman recently. She owns a vodka brand and it's all natural, all natural sweeteners. And I tasted it. It was delicious. And we connected, you know, we have our Instagrams now and I can be like, oh, my my boss, pitch it to her and be like, hey, I saw this brand. We can definitely utilize this in the future for said client for this, you know, Mm -hmm. we can always utilize different kinds of products and meet new people and connect and, you know, have a really good event. Cause that's, that's all it's about is having a good event, being very successful with that and, you know, celebrating, celebrating the brand.
0: Yeah. That is so good. Like it's almost like you're, you're constantly connecting, constantly connecting constantly. This would be good for that. And, and always pitching, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. really hard for a lot of people, you know, because I'm doing art direction right now in my master's and art direction is very conceptual. It's very analytical. It has this kind of social um, this like social dynamic where we're constantly analyzing, you know, the world. And I feel like what's really hard for creatives that delve into the analytical part of the industry is to, is the public speaking. It's the, the pitching having the idea and like speaking up for it. So PR will always be relevant, even if you're somebody who just would prefer to be the one in the corner doing the graphics. Like you constantly have to be, have to reserve some of your, I don't know, intellect, confidence, whatever, to be thinking of those connections. Um, because that shapes the work really. Exactly. I mean, if you're making connections,
1: that's like the best thing possible at, at any event. I tried to at least talk to a couple people, get to know them and, you know, see where it takes it from there. Cause I'm always more than welcome to have people pull up to events and kind of see what our company is about as well. So it's always good to see fresh faces as well as, you know, old faces. So it's always great.
0: Yeah. Like very open-minded. You couldn't do yeah, PR. I mean, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause I feel like that's why, that's what really, when I did PR, I didn't do PR, but like in my PR classes, we had to mm-hmm. come up with all this stuff. We had to make, make these huge presentations and, you know, first quarter, what's the event second quarter, what's the social media engagement? And we had to concept all of it and it, I hated it. <laughs> it really? Was just, it was not my thing. I mean, I liked um, coordinating the ideas and connecting the ideas. Like, I loved the idea of champion sponsoring, um, like, college football events and stuff like that. Because I think Nike and Adidas have taken a lot of the, like, sponsorship, you know, money. Or they've yeah. got their names on the products or their brands on the gear. But I was like, how cool if, like, champion could make a comeback again and, like, you know, sponsor, like, the national championship. So I I liked that kind of creative ideology where you're just connecting Mm -hmm. certain brands with certain, um, influencers or whatever, but it's a lot of work. And for my career, I would be like, I need a break and a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what usually happens after, after hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A break and a drink. Wow. So how I have another question for you. I'm curious to see how the industry of influencing and really like digital media, because you have your degree in digital communications, right? Like digital media, digital marketing. Yeah. Digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But how has it changed the way you interact with the world? Like, do you ever, are you ever like in the Hollywood Hills at one of these events or at the after party at one of these events and think to yourself, like we just curated an experience that is changing the way people like experience reality? Like, do you ever think of it that deeply?
1: Uh, Sometimes here and there, I feel like one of the events I threw, we threw was Mammoth Film
0: Festival. I don't know if you're too familiar with that.
1: Um, It was a film festival in Mammoth, California.
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool.
1: Yeah. And we had um, a lot of celebrities there. It was a big event because it was a film festival for three days. And just thinking about like all the detail we went into when it comes to the whole event, like the brands and stuff, I was like, this is all put together so like delicately and just so precise of like what fits with what, especially when it comes to a film festival. It's not going to be easy. It was a whole month's worth of work and curating all the sponsorships and curating all the people and it just all came together and one of the moments i had was at one of the after parties was at a nightclub and Mm -hmm. i was just seeing everything around me being like every just so precise and so perfect but in reality it was just a whole big production
0: yeah yeah like behind the scenes it was such a calculated like precise you know, you guys. Yeah. Let's see, you worked, you called, you had to do all the emails and run around, and we got to yeah. get this, and that, and oh, this. It was
1: a it was an all day thing. Like I remember waking up so early in the morning and not going to bed till past after hours, and that's like I got no sleep whatsoever. It's just hustle and bustle because we had to get people on the carpet and we had to do pictures and slating and waiting for the people to get off the carpet and after that we have to run back to the hotel and get all this and then get started for the after party like it's go 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 yeah you don't have a moment to think really till it's all like complete and everyone's you know taking pictures and drinking and enjoying themselves and everyone's just like wow it's all put together we're all celebrating this and it's time to really relax and get into it
0: yeah, well, and that's what is interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot about perception, you know, and I think we are more cognitive. Well, like we think about perception more often now because of influencing, you know, the idea that any regular Joe and schmo on the street, and of course it's not this simple, but to the viewer it's oh, you know, Addison Ray, she's from Louisiana, she just overnight. Mm-hmm went viral and now she's a complete she's in a completely different life circumstance, class, I mean social status. It's it's wild. And I think we're more hyper fixated on perception, like the way people are perceiving us, the way we perceive other things. And so that's why I think what you're saying is so interesting because it's so important. Like it's so crucial like the way you curate these events and the way you curate experiences because it's perception at the end of the day.
1: Like yeah. when I we just want yeah. the best event possible, you know, at the end of the day yeah. we want to be successful, we want to have a good turnout, we want to see the client happy, we want to see the product be successful or said hotel anything like that, we just want it to be successful at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So I I'm getting it more now. You guys are the really the brains behind these big connections and not even connections as in like mm-hmm. relationships in the industry, but like the connection to do, to add, you know, this vodka company as a sponsor will do these curated drinks that will use this person's vodka. So um, there really is no time to have a bad intention really. And I think maybe a lot of the perception that I'm talking about comes from the surface like the, 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 the celebrities that go to these events and then they use the event to spin off in some way so i i don't know it's it's really interesting i don't know where yeah, I'm going. i like
1: seeing it from both sides i like just seeing it from both sides because um i content create as well and i went to an event as a content creator And just seeing me be on the carpet was just being weird. I'm like, uh, I'm supposed to be on the other side, but I could do both sides. Like Mm -hmm. I could do anything basically.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I think is changing the industry as a whole, because I mean, typically in creative, you were either on camera or you were behind the camera. Like there was never any overlap for anybody. And so influencing or social media has changed that even for me. You know, somebody who wants to be in the brains of the industry, you know, building the campaigns, building these, like you said, these time intensive, um, curated experiences, whether they be visual, whether they be physical, and then also have a podcast, also have some kind of outward appearance. And I think it's cool that we get that option because, I mean, the OGs in the industry, you I mean, you were either on camera or you were behind the camera.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not in between but now anyone and everyone can be who they want to be and if you want to be on camera and talking about this or you want to be like okay i'm gonna step back and you know plan this event like anything's possible honestly and i'm always open to people's ideas and what they feel like is going to be best for a brand or best for an image and i just love hearing anyone's opinion when it comes to that
0: yeah. Yeah. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Very, uh, all I hear from you is that you're just very open-minded and I think that's the connection to PR. I mean, like I said earlier, like you really couldn't be closed-minded into PR. I mean, you really have to be aware of all of the options and possibilities and connect these concepts together. So, I mean, that's kind yeah, of- what- Again, it's. Yeah, it's a fa- it's a fast-paced
1: environment and you have to be able to keep up and multitask with certain things because, again, when it comes to these events, it's not going to be smooth sailing. It's, you know, we got to get this person here. We got to do this. Like, it's a whole big production, but at the end of the day, you know, you know the end result, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, gosh. Well, and I have one more question for you that's a little bit deeper, but I think about yeah, no the, as a creative and it's like, did you ever feel misunderstood growing up or even now because i find that a lot of creative minds like myself who you know found themselves in strategic communications whatever that is whether it's digital whether it's you know art direction physical i find that all most of us or a lot of us tend to bond over this this need for belonging you know yeah have you ever I mean- was
1: that your experience Definitely. I feel like when I was in high school, I feel like everyone wanted to kind of fit in and, you know, be in that kind of mold. But I feel like once I came out to L.A., I kind of broke free and kind of wanted to be my own person and experience something that I've never experienced before. So being out yeah. here was definitely a change mentally and physically for me. And even the friends I made out here definitely built up my confidence when it comes to um, putting myself out there, because it is sometimes a problem for other people to see me do certain things, and they're just stepping back, being like, "Oh wow, like look at her." But be the them side, there is some, you know, envious or jealousy when it comes to the things, and I tend to overthink a lot when it comes to those being like, oh, they're going to perceive me in this type of way, but I'm not trying to show that kind of side of me. I'm just trying to be creative and be who I am as a person. And sometimes people try to read on my parade and you got to think, well, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what makes me happy. So at the end of the day, I'm just going to be who I want to be.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's really why I started this podcast, because I feel like Any level of creative output, whatever that means, or expression for anybody is imperative. And I think it's really difficult in a capitalistic world, you know, where we have to exchange our wage for goods or services or need our basic necessities to see why anybody would go outside of their means to start a company or to have a podcast or to paint. Like, how about forget the business side of the creative industry? Like to do things for no other reason than just to do them. You know, if you're a photographer. Yeah, just out of pure, pure enjoyment, things. pure enjoyment
1: at the end of the day, that's whatever makes you happy and what makes you, you know, want to wake
0: up every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I find that that's something so interesting with people that, you know, I don't know how to put this into words, but everybody that I've talked to on this podcast shares the same sentiment. They either grew up in an environment that felt too restricting or they had they experienced bullying or they experienced um the conformity of the world they found themselves in LA or in some big city in my experience i mean i know all of you guys from LA you know we embark on the journey to LA and that's where all of the unraveling occurred where you go from oh, this is what makes a good citizen in society. You know, the person that goes to this school and does this and does this and gets married and has kids. And then you go to LA and it's like, this, the options are endless. Like there is no one that anybody is doing. So a big part of LA is unraveling all the things that you thought you should be doing, not the things that you want to be doing or the things that would even fulfill you. And right. on top of that, it's expensive to live in LA. So there's this kind of um, dynamic between your reality and being delusional or what we call delusion, right. Or spiritual or whatever the term. And I think a lot of us creatives are, are, especially in LA are you know, we're the ones swimming against the grain. We're the ones, Delulu, we're doing all the things that may not make sense in society. And so we have each other in that, which is nice. But um, I was just curious to see if that if you had a similar experience with that, you know, the feeling of being misunderstood.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are somewhat small-minded, closed-minded when it comes to things. So they're like, Oh, I don't wanna break free from the conformity of just like, you know, growing up in a small town, going to college, doing all that. Like that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to build myself as a person experience different things that not a lot of people get to experience and I'm very grateful for these experiences that being out here going to school out here just seeing the world entirely and you know there's some more places I want to explore I want to go to UK as well I want to mm. travel like I want to learn about different places so there's always new opportunities somewhere else so I feel like for me moving out here was just a great experience at yeah. least you know
0: yeah, well, come on. Come on to the UK. <laughs> I want to. Literally, it's so weird, but
1: I want to go to Essex so bad and go to a chip shop. I don't know if you've been to a chip shop yet. But, oh, yeah. I want to go. I want to go to a chip shop so bad. I love I love UK reality. This is like a guilty pleasure of mine. I love UK reality shows. I think they're very entertaining. And just yeah. seeing... The experiences they go through and the culture that they have is just
0: so fascinating to me. Yeah, they're wild. I mean, the reality shows are wild. You know, I was gonna. Someone almost said they're wild, as in them. But I mean, like the UK reality shows—they're. I mean, they get away with things in America. It would be such a social faux pas. Like you could never. Oh my god! Seriously,
1: one of the shows that. One of my friends put me on. It's called Naked Attraction. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. It's on HBO. It's a it's a UK show. Basically, it's I'm going to put you in an example. So you are a single woman looking for love. You know you're struggling finding love, and you want to find the one. Basically, mm-hmm. you are in front of six other people, like men, mm-hmm. and you can't see them. They're in a box, in a shadow box. Oh my and god! And they reveal they reveal different parts of them and they are completely naked shut up completely naked completely naked so the okay. first thing you see is the pelvic down under to the to the feet that mm-hmm. part and then you have to eliminate based on the characteristics and whatever oh my until God. you get to the end where you have two people and then you get naked and then you pick the final one so again, this would not fly in the United States, but in the UK, they could do anything. And I was like, "This is why the shows are so interesting."
0: Yeah, no, a lot of the reality TV is very, and I feel like even just in European culture, like when I, because did you take French? Were you one of the people that we talked about mm-hmm. French? Yes, like I yes, I took. French. We watched we watched the French movies in class, and it's like. The sex scenes are just so much more intense than anything in like a '90s, you know, American rom com, and so we would Mm -hmm. be in class. "Uh, This is is this allowed? Yes, like our culture is a lot more conservative than I think we, as Americans, really understand.
1: Some crazy French teacher every year. There was someone different, and one Mm -hmm. of the French teachers I had was junior and senior year, and she was originally from paris or one of the one of the areas over there um Mm -hmm. and she took it very seriously like if someone was disrespectful she would clap back and be like this is not okay and just go on a whole tangent about things and i was just like oh and she's like i don't care if you're from america it's just disrespectful you know to act like this and she would just say it in french i was like oh god Uh uh-oh
0: yeah they're very
1: so she would very blunt.
0: <laughs> yes, they're very blunt. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that, and one of the good things about me being in the UK and is there are so many people here from so many different countries. That in my master's program, I there's people in my class from France, you know, French people. There's um, Spanish people. There's people from Spain. There's people from, I mean, all over the world. And so when I'm talking to them. I like I've been asking them the, you know the girl from the UK one of my friends from the UK she was like honestly mm-hmm. I couldn't told I couldn't you know I didn't I couldn't tell that you were American and then I asked of this French guy he was like oh you're you're the American and I was like do I seem American and he said oh god yes like <laughs> Like, like it was a bad thing. Like it was a- yeah. Like oh God, Like we're just so insufferable, and it's but their culture is just so. To me, as an American, it seems so reserved. Like they're not reserved. I guess in their um they're reserved in their expression. You know, and Americans I think are just very theatrical. Like everything for us is like oh my gosh, you know, so. Yeah, I think I just look like a big performative, like, American. I don't know. It's it's weird. Spice. It adds some spice to
1: the the friend group. That's all I'm saying.
0: Oh, of course. And when it's fun, because <laughs> like, again, it's like, socially here, there's not a lot of like, you know, oversharing on the first, you know, time you interact with somebody. Like, in America, we're, we, we're just very, we let it all hang out. <laughs> Where can they follow
1: you, the listeners? Yeah, so my Instagram is emily with two Ys, 1501. I also have a TikTok. Everything is just all listed on my Instagram. I also have exclusive website for some other people, if you want that. Um, (laughs) As well as a new business that my family and I are diving into. I just wanted to announce that. We have a brand called Dead Yoga. It's athleisure wear, athletic wear. So if you guys are interested in that. The website is up if you want to purchase anything.
0: Yes, I will definitely have to shout that out on my story because I kept seeing dead yoga and I was like, wait, this is so cool. I I had no idea whose brand it was.
1: Yeah, it just started. My family and I, my parents love working out. The name came from my dad has a lot of skull tattoos. He loves them and he likes working out with my mom. They're on their fitness journey. So they might as well just start a brand of something that they like and yeah. very passionate about and they know that I have the social media tactics and everything so we just started the Instagram the website so it's just coming together
0: awesome that's a that's great that's so cool your parents are so entrepreneurial I love it <laughs> yeah they love it they're here for it and you know if there's something they're
1: passionate about they're going to do something about it so yeah if you guys want to support I'd be greatly appreciated